0: Good evening. So the last time that I was up here, uh, back at the beginning of chapter 2 in Philippians, the Apostle Paul gave us just this really, really gorgeous hymn ab- about the, uh, the story of the great ultimate life of sacrifice of Jesus. And, he bas- and then uh, after he gives us just this really rich, wonderful hymn, uh, then he basically says, Look, you guys. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer and a follower of Jesus, then your mindset should be the same as Jesus. Or, in other words, he said that our response to Jesus's life of sacrifice is for us to live a life of sacrifice. And today, the end of chapter two, we get to see what that looks like. We get to see what it looks like for regular people like us to do this, to live the the kind of life of sacrifice that we read about just a couple weeks ago. Because today here, again, the end of Philippians chapter two, verses 19 through 30, we're gonna read about two real regular Christians who had the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Two regular believers, two regular followers of Jesus who lived out a life of sacrifice. Their names are Timothy and Epaphroditus. So here's their story. Philippians chapter two, starting at verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him, Who will show genuine concern for your welfare? For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. Remember, he's in prison. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill. And almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. This is God's word. Okay, so the Apostle Paul, who again wrote this letter to the Philippians... Met Timothy when Timothy was a young man, and uh, and led Timothy to faith in Jesus Christ, and then Timothy ends up becoming Paul's missionary partner, basically Paul's right hand man. So the Philippians knew him pretty well. He actually planted the church with Paul. In fact, Timothy helped Paul plant a lot of churches. Uh, And the the ministry of church planning uh, in those days at that time for them meant basically going into a city and preaching the gospel, reaching men and women with the message of salvation through Jesus, and then discipling and training and investing in those men and women to serve those churches, and then leaving those churches to go on to the next city to start this church planning process all over again. Timothy sacrificed over and over and over and over and over again for the sake of the gospel. So why would he do it? Why would Timothy do this? I mean, why in the world would you sacrifice a normal life with a regular nine-to-five job, a steady salary, good benefits, paid time off, plenty of time on the weekend to, you know, hang out with your family and grill some meat, watch some football? Why would you do it? I mean, planning a church one time is an incredible sacrifice, but Timothy did it over and over and over. What compels someone to do this? What compels someone to sacrifice in this way? Jesus does. Timothy's heart was melted by what Jesus had done for him, and it changed his life. So when Jesus called him to go... Through the Apostle Paul and his ministry to go and sacrifice for the gospel, Timothy willingly went. And in verse 20, Paul is almost bragging about him here, saying, Listen, he goes, I don't have anybody like Timothy who is so genuinely concerned for your guys' welfare. Timothy cared for the church, the Philippian church, as much as he cared for himself. Or to put it another way, because Jesus first sacrificed himself for Timothy, Timothy sacrificed himself for Jesus and for the Lord's church. Jesus so changed his heart that he couldn't help but love and sacrifice for his brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is the key to it all. I mean, if we want to sacrifice in a similar way, if we want to sacrifice in a way similar to how Timothy did, we've got to let Jesus change us. We've got to deeply accept not, not only the salvation of Jesus, but along with it, the calling of Jesus. And there's no question that what Jesus calls to is hard. I mean, you know, to love people, to sacrifice for people, make sacrifices for others it, it 's probably it 's probably one of the hardest callings we have and you know why uh, one of the reasons why that it is so hard or one of the hardest callings we have is because sacrificing for others will not get you anywhere in this world i mean. I mean, compared to the important people in the world or the important people in world history even, Timothy wasn't anything. Timothy was basically anonymous. But let me tell you something, that inside the kingdom of God is a different story. Inside the kingdom of God, Timothy was and I believe still is a big deal. Because Timothy put the interests of others before his own. He's a citizen of sacrifice, to put it in the terms of our sermon series here. He was a citizen of sacrifice. And, you know, when we get outside ourselves and sacrifice ourselves for others for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of his church, <clears throat> that we become citizens of sacrifice too beginning with Jesus, but also just like Timothy. Timothy was a citizen of sacrifice, but he isn't the only one that's mentioned here in our text for today. Paul also talks about a guy named Epaphroditus. Now, Epaphroditus' story is quite a bit different because he was actually a member of the Philippian church. Okay? And so the church, they hear that Paul's in prison, right? And so they send a messenger, minister from the church, Epaphroditus, to care for Paul while Paul's in prison. Um, Epaphroditus is also the one who brought Paul the gifts that Paul thanks them for in chapter four. But it wasn't an easy trip because Epaphroditus got so sick that he almost died. So Paul decides he's going to send him back home to Philippi. And I want you to notice, uh, I want to talk about, just for a second here, the way that Paul talks about him here in verse 25. He, he calls him a number of things here. The first thing is, Paul calls him a brother. So they're not just friends. They're not just ministry partners. Paul says they're brothers because of Christ. Paul saw Epaphroditus as his literal brother, Paul was deeply concerned about his well-being. He was, he was worried sick about him, afraid that he was going to die. And, you know, th- this is how brothers react when things like this happen. And, you know, I- I'm not sure that, that today we think about this enough. Just, just look at the, the, the world we live in, the state of the world. Look at all the division that, that is just so obvious. Now, here's the thing. Uh, the thing that, that we sometimes forget is that the early church, the, the Philippians at this time you know, who are alive and were reading this letter, the early church lived in a world, these guys lived in a world with the very same divisions that we're facing, political and social and economic and racial and religious and ethnic divisions. But the gospel of Jesus brought them together. Not into an organization, but into a new family. And despite all the differences that we see in the world today, all the, all the divisions that that are virtually the same, they overlooked them for the sake of Jesus. They were brothers and sisters in Christ. Next, Paul also calls Epaphroditus not just a brother, but he calls him a fellow worker. He worked for the Lord for the sake of the gospel, and he worked hard, and hard work uh, for Jesus' sake is a very honorable thing, but it's it's important, though, to understand that just like Pastor Jeff told us last week, that we don't work for our salvation, right, we work out our salvation. That was part of his text last week. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We don't work for it, but we work out our salvation. We receive our salvation freely by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, apart from all our works. But when Jesus saves us, he deploys us. He sends us to work out our salvation And one of the main ways we do this is by sacrificing for our brothers and sisters in the church and for our neighbors. The third thing that Paul calls Epaphroditus is a fellow soldier. Now here, uh, we probably think back to Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, where, where Paul is challenging the church to live lives worthy of the gospel, to to strive side by side for the sake of the gospel. Epaphroditus did that alongside Paul. He fought against the opposition to Christ's work in the world. Epaphroditus served with Paul as a fellow soldier to rescue hearts and minds and souls with the saving message of Jesus Christ. Fellow soldier, and finally, the last thing that Paul calls Epaphroditus here in verse 25 is a, a, a messenger, a minister. The church sent him to Paul to serve and care for him on the church's behalf. But unfortunately, in, in, in addition to getting you know, like deathly ill, Epaphroditus also got really homesick. Verse 26, the the verse after this, Paul says that Epaphroditus has been longing for the Philippians and that he was upset because the Philippian church back home had heard how sick he was. That Epaphroditus was there to minister to Paul, but even while he was away doing that, Epaphroditus was still ministering to his church. He was still putting their interests above his own. He, he didn't want them worrying about him. Not because he didn't think he was you know, important enough to worry about, but because he loved them so much that he just hated the idea that they had heard that he was sick and that they were upset about this, that they were worried about this. What it it was really is that he was more concerned about their reaction to his being really sick than he actually was about being really sick. Like Jesus, Epaphroditus put the interests of others above his own. That's the true measure of a citizen of sacrifice. And like Timothy, compared to the important people in the world or throughout world history, He was much, virtually anonymous as well. But also like Timothy, inside the kingdom of God, Epaphroditus was a big deal. He's a citizen of sacrifice. And when we get outside ourselves and care for others for the sake of Jesus Christ, we become citizens of sacrifice too. Just like Epaphroditus. So, we've talked about Timothy, we've talked about Epaphroditus, how about you? Where is this intersecting with your life? Are you a citizen of sacrifice? You want to know what I think? Uh, You want want to know what, what I see when I look around here? So, you know, I've been here at Triumph almost nine months now. And when I think about Triumph, when I I think about you all, I look around, I praise and thank God because I see the sacrifices. I see you sacrificing time and energy to serve and bless the kids in in, in the children's ministry. I see you sacrificing sleep to get here early on Sundays to, to practice music and run the soundboard and make coffee and greet people when they come in. Uh, I see you sacrificing money in your generous tithes and offerings. I, I, I see the sacrifices. I see you sacrificing your comfort zone to talk with guests and uh, new, new people to help make them feel warm and welcome here. I see you like tonight, sacrificing a night at home on a Wednesday night to lead a confirmation group or cook and serve a meal for hungry hearts or care for our littlest ones in the nursery. I see these and, and, and all kinds of other sacrifices too. This is, this is just the tip of the iceberg. And you know what else I see? I see our West Campus staff who I know for an absolute fact that each and every one of these people could all be doing other jobs where the work is a whole lot easier, a whole lot less stressful, and the hours are a whole lot shorter, and where the pay is a whole lot more. But here they are, sacrificing all these things, and then some, for our Lord Jesus and for us, For his church I mean I I see citizens of sacrifice All over this place And I'm grateful for this And I'm so encouraged by this And I hope that you are too But like one of my personal heroes Han Solo Once said to Luke Skywalker That's great But don't get cocky now, what I mean by that is despite you know, seeing the wonderful acts of sacrifice and service that are taking place here all the time, despite that, let's not, let's not get caught up in what we are doing for the Lord. But instead, let us all get caught up in what the Lord has done for us. Uh, like how the, the author of Hebrew put, Hebrews puts it, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And... Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and doing it all the more as you see the day approaching. But that ain't easy. So how can we do it? How how can we keep on living as citizens of sacrifice? How how can we keep on following in the footsteps of citizens of sacrifice like Timothy and like Epaphroditus? How do we have the capacity to to sacrifice for others when people are so difficult or are honestly downright awful how can we have the capacity to sacrifice for others, maybe especially when we feel like no one's sacrificing for me? Here's how Cast your eyes upon Jesus that's where it all starts and ends that you you and i will never sacrifice well for others until we first see and receive how jesus has sacrificed for us that's why we can never outgrow the gospel that's why we can never move past the gospel that's why we can never advance beyond the gospel i mean every day i wake up needing a fresh encounter with the gospel and you do too. Every day I wake up forgetting how much Jesus loves me and how much he sacrificed for me and how much he cares about me. And you do too. Every day I need to come to Jesus. And you do too. He saved us from our sins. He died to make us children of God. He, he died to, to make us citizens of his kingdom. Look to him. And keep on looking to him. And then look to him some more. Because it's, it's then and only then that we will find ourselves living the kind of Christian life that Jesus calls us to live. The life of a citizen of sacrifice. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you uh, would give us ears to hear what you're saying and hearts that are able and willing to respond. Uh, We pray that you would help us to uh, keep Jesus and how he, he sacrificed for us. Help us to keep that at the dead center of our attention. And may that help us sacrifice for others like you would have us do. Make us people who, who see sacrifice, uh, sacrificing for others as, as a privilege. Help us to see ourselves not as people who have to do this, but people who get to do this, people who receive the gift, the privilege of sacrificing for others. In other words, make us true citizens of sacrifice. For we do pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we now come to the Lord's table of mercy and grace, let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's listen to the story of our Lord's suffering and death for us as given in the Holy Scriptures. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching. The rulers even sneered at him. They said he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah the Chosen One. Soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the King of the Jews, save yourself. There's even a written notice above him which read, This is the King of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Truly, I tell you, today, you will be with me in paradise. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Next, let us hear the gracious invitation of our Lord, also given to us in his word. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Let's, let me pray for us as we confess our sins before the Lord uh, and also confess our need of forgiveness. Heavenly Father, we confess that we are in bondage to sin and we can't free ourselves. We've sinned against you in our thoughts and our words and our actions by all the awful things we've done, by all the wonderful things that we've left undone. We haven't loved you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we sure haven't loved our neighbors as ourselves. But for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us and renew us and lead us so that we would delight in your will and walk in your ways and that we would do it for the glory of your holy name. Amen.